Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. Hi, we're back talking today with Dave Fischuto, a former shop owner and master technician of Dave's Import Service in Medford, Oregon. Dave has been talking about strategy-based diagnostics, and the last time, that's where we left off. Dave, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. Glad to be here. I want to continue our conversation about how to develop some diagnostic skills, frankly, for today's vehicles, something you see in the shop every day. Last time we left off talking about strategy-based diagnostics, and you had mentioned something that's called differential diagnosis, which I believe you said was a subset of that. Tell me a little bit about differential diagnosis as opposed to, or as a part of strategy-based diagnosis. Describe the process. How does that fit into it? Okay. So with differential diagnosis, again, not to be confused with drivetrain diagnostics, differential diagnostics is much like what you'll hear if you watch any of the medical shows, the doctors, when they, they're presented with a case, they'll say, what's your differential diagnosis? Basically, what they're simply doing, let's say you've got a condition, maybe a, a P300 code, you've got a misfire code. You're going to take the possibilities. You don't have a definite answer right off the top of your head. You don't have one item you're looking at. So what are the possibilities? So you might take several different items and you're going to differentiate between those items, whether it be sparks, the coil, the spark plug, if it has wires, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what a differential diagnosis is. What could be causing this misfire? And so you're going to take all those different items. The whole idea is you want to make yourself a list of what could possibly be causing this problem. And then you're going to, you're going to differentiate between the two. What are you going to give the most credibility to? And then that's where you're going to want to start. And of course, the whole idea is we're trying to save time. Time is money, right? Mm -hmm. So the longer that car's in the shop, the less your shop's being efficient. And having the right habits, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. When you develop a routine that does what you describe, saves time, basically saves money because time is money, as you said, what should a young technician be thinking about? What habits should they be developing? What's a good process for them to get into? You had already mentioned, first thing first is to verify that the vehicle complaint is in fact a problem, not just normal operation of the vehicle. What are some of the other, again, habits that are good to get into so you develop a consistent diagnostic process when you're just learning? Well, you know, after you've ver you have verified the concern, the most important next step would be most likely you would perform a, a vehicle diagnostic check. So you're going to run either a quick test or a quick scan or however your, your scan tool calls it. We call it the quick test. And that's where your scan tool will run through all the systems on the car and let you know if there's any current DTCs that you need to pay attention to, whether they're related to or not related to your, your concern you know, having that preliminary check is really important. So you also want to do a, a good visual inspection. You know, a lot of times, some of the simplest things can be found just by opening the hood and having a good visual inspection. You might find it 
you know, a mouse has built, gone in there and built a nest and chewed some wires or somebody's left a hose loose, a lot of simple items like that. And we tend to want to look at the most complicated things right off the bat. And many of us that were former dealer techs, or you, or you may be a dealer tech, you see the same problem again and again, and it's easy to jump to that exact same problem and say, oh, it's either this or that. And that's a bad habit to get into because you don't look at the problem and you might misdiagnose it because you're looking at a past repair instead of the vehicle that you're actually working on. So, you know, you really want to make sure you do a a good visual check as part of your preliminary check. A history of the vehicle is always good to review. Most shop software has a way to look at the history of the vehicle if it's been in your shop before. And then you need to ask, you know, have a list of questions that you either want to have in your head or have written down, such as when does or did the particular condition occur? How long does the condition last? How often does the condition occur? Are there any aftermarket accessories on the vehicle? Those are good questions to be asking as part of your preliminary checks. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. You know, you mentioned something I think we often overlook, and that is doing a complete systems check to check for other DTCs. I know experienced diagnosticians always do that, especially since a problem could be, as you said, caused by something completely different. In your experience, how often has what was perceived to be a, quote, big problem turned out to be something like a, you know, a loose hose or something like that? How often do you think that it's generally something simple rather than something complex? I'd say, you know, just off the top of my head, I'd say probably a good 50% of the time. We used to call it the PLD, the parking lot diagnosis, because we could go out into the parking lot and open the hood and, and find the problem right there. So, you know, sometimes the simplest thing is what the problem really is. You know, I experienced that back in the day with a, a non-computer driven car when a customer came in and said they had a battery problem. And their alternator wasn't charging. And there was a good reason for it because the fan belt was gone. Yeah. But you mentioned something else that I think is very important. And that is getting the vehicle history and an accurate description of the problem. Day, time, even temperature sometimes can be important. And a lot of the service consultants that I know working in a shop learn that rather quickly, that the more questions you can ask the, the customer, the more details you can get on the repair, the easier it is for the technician. Is there a role for the younger technicians to play in helping to educate their service consultants as much as it is for the service consultants to help educate their younger technicians as far as what they're asking? Yes. And I think as shop owners too, 
we developed a kind of a checklist and there, there are a lot of them on the web. You can, you can find them and print them up. Sometimes your shop software has them, uh, your shop management software, but our service writers, we gave them a, a little checklist that they could go through and either have the customer fill out or what I prefer is to have the service writer ask the customer these questions, particularly when it's some sort of a drivability complaint or an intermittent, it, those questions are crucial to solving the problem. As we all know, um, you're going to get some different descriptions of, of a particular condition. Let's say a no start. You'll have uh, customers say, well, it cranks, but it won't turn over, you know, something like that. And you're like, how am I supposed to interpret that? Well, you got to ask some more questions. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the burden for training is on the owners of the shop to help them, but the technicians as well, especially your lead and more experienced technicians can work with them to ask the right questions and to be aware of getting as much information from the customer as possible. You know, something else you mentioned is too, we tend to fall into a trap of what we used to call pattern diagnostics where, oh, you know, it's X and X car of X year and it has X motor in it and they all do that kind of a thing. Is there any value and have you ever in your own experience kind of kept a history or a library of the types of repairs that you can use in the training of the, of the shop and actually as a reference guide to uh, help you when you're approaching diagnostics? Does having a library of what worked in the last diagnostic, does that have any value in the shop as part of the training process? I think it does, Tony. And um you know, I, I can say that we probably haven't done as much to that as we should have. I know one of the things that has been very helpful, though, is our lab scope is able to record and we can keep patterns. And we we always kept a log of particular lab scope patterns, let's say a good cam sensor versus a bad one, and on a particular model. Because we all know sometimes the shop manual might show a picture of a pattern and it's not quite what you really see in the real life. And so we like to save those patterns, but it is a good practice to keep a log of different vehicles, especially the ones you do the most of that can help very much with the diagnostic strategy. Well, Dave, this has been a great discussion, but unfortunately we're out of time for today. So we'll continue our conversation with Dave Fushido in our next episode of the ATI podcast. Dave, thanks for your time today. We'll look forward to continuing our discussion in the next episode. Yes, I'd love to, Tony. Thank you. We've been talking with Dave Fushido on the topic of strategy-based diagnostics. Join us for our next episode, where we'll continue our discussion on how to improve your diagnostic skills. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.